0: Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. Paul had a vision of a Macedonian asking him to come and tell them the gospel. So he left Asia Minor, what it's now called Turkey, sailed across the sea uh, to Greece, went to Philippi, was beaten, jailed there. Good results of starting a church, went on to Thessalonica, uh, started a church there, and uh, moved on. And that's where it picks up to in this new town of Berea that he went to. Question today, are you a noble Christian, one of great integrity that rises above the crowd? That's what we think of maybe with noble. But also, do you know what you believe? Why you believe it? Are you strong? Are you firm in your faith? Do you have a strong and firm, reasonable faith, not a blind faith or a? not an emotional faith, not an immature faith that will not stand the test of time. Here in Acts chapter 17, and verse 10, it says, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the uh, Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him To Athens, and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. They were called as Christians of noble character. Why? Because they took the time to look in the scriptures to see if what Paul was teaching was true and right. It makes a great difference in how a person approaches making life decisions how do you make life decisions how do you decide what you know what you believe when it comes to buying a vehicle or an appliance of some sort you buy because it looks pretty it's got lots of shiny knobs and features or you take the time to study consumer reports and say is this something that's lasting enduring does it have strong things to it uh, when when you got medical issues, you see who the best doctor is. Uh, research on your own the best drug treatments, the best procedures. You take the time to look into that, or just uh, well, I'll just take whatever comes my way, and trust that it's okay. Well, even just buying a shotgun, do you look into the stats, the spread pattern, the balance, the fit? When it comes to sports, I. Uh, My best friend in high school, uh, we were both distance runners. He's got a subscription to Runner's World. And he's sitting there reading and studying about uh, diet and uh, training and the best kind of shoes. And I just just go out and run, okay? I guess that was one of the reasons why he was a way better runner than I was. I don't know. You take the time to look into it. These noble Christians... Dug into God's Word. When it comes to various issues, do you take the time to study up on? The time to study up on. Confirm with the Bible truth that Jesus Christ was God coming to flesh. Where does it say that in the Scripture? Looking it up, digging in, and seeing what the Bible says to match this idea that Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God. Do you take the time to say, well, what does Scripture say about Scripture? Is it God's Word, not man's Word? Do you take the time to study in and out? What, what about baptism? What's, there, what's the Bible say about baptism? It's meaning, it's its procedure. How do you do that? Do you take the time to look? When it comes to assurance and forgiveness of, of our sins, all your sins forgiven, past, present, whatever, Do you believe that? Does the Bible say that? Where does it say that in the Bible? Let me study on that. Let me find it. When it comes to morals, what's sexually right and wrong, when it comes to premarital behavior and living together, or homosexuality and transgenderism, you take the time to say, what's God's Scripture say? Will you be a noble Christian to study up on that and find out? What is God's plan for marriage? What's the scripture say? When it comes to abortion, when does life begin? Does the Bible have something to say about when life begins? Where does it say that? Study it, know it. When it comes to drinking and drunkenness, drugs, many other things, we're faced with issues, faced with questions. Are you a noble Christian to dig in the scripture? If you're not grounded in faith, if you're too lazy to dig into the Bible, then likely you'll take the easy path, the simple way. What's that? Well, what do most people think? What's the crowd say? What do all my friends say? Now, it might be all right if the crowd and the majority and all your friends are all believers and know their Bible, but it could easily lead you to accept the lie of the devil. What does a noble Christian do? Searches the Word of God. Now, to do that, first of all, you must believe that the Word of God is the Word of God and that you can trust it. And the Bible has something to say about that, too. Second Peter chapter 1, it says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power of and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Above all, Peter goes on to say, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin, never had its origin, never had its origin in the will of man but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. Jesus even had something to say about Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. People may know the Beatitudes, blessed is the poor in spirit, but he went on from there to say this in Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He says, the law and the prophets are from God. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. He who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches other to do, the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It says if the law and the prophets are God's word. They're enduring. They're lasting. They will not pass away. They will only be fulfilled and fulfilled in himself. Psalm 12 verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified, seven times. Psalm 18 verse 30 says, As for God, His way is perfect and the word of the Lord is flawless. In uh, Proverbs 30 verse 5, it says the words of the Lord are flawless. Do not add to them, lest He rebuke you and prove you to be a liar. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 4, he says do not add to the commands of the Lord and do not subtract from them. They are God's Word, and they're God's words for you. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active. It's not a dead letter. It's not an ancient book. It's not an obscure, outdated writing that we don't need to pay any attention to. It's the Word of God that He's given to us to know the truth about life, about creation, about salvation, about everything we need to know to know God. I find it interesting. Paul tells us about a three-year gap in his Christian life. In the book of Acts, it says he saw Jesus on the Damascus road. He was blinded by the bright light, heard the voice of Jesus. He believed. He was baptized. He could see again. He was preaching the gospel in Damascus. Then he had to flee for his life. That's what the book of Acts tells us. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul goes on to say, after I saw Jesus and went to Damascus. Then I went to Arabia, and I came back to Damascus, and for three years, there's a three-year period here going on. He was a Christian for three years before meeting Peter, or John, or James, the son of Joseph and Mary. He was a Christian before for three years before going to Jerusalem, and the closest clue emphasizes that he purposely did not go to Jerusalem to the twelve. First of all as it says in Galatians I consulted no man I consulted no man why what was Paul doing for three years I believe Paul for three years was doing the very same thing the Bereans did I've got a study on this Meeting with Jesus on the Damascus Road turned his whole world upside down. It went contrary to everything he had been doing in his life. And I believe he spent three years mostly studying the Old Testament, getting a grip on the solid truth. How does this match up with this Jesus of Nazareth, this Messiah who died on a cross and rose from the third day? How does it match up? He was not content, think about this, Paul was not content to rest on his own personal, spiritual, special experience on the road to Damascus. Well, I, I, I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. That's all I need. That's not what Paul said. That's not how he lived. I believe he spent those three years getting grounded in the truth of God's Word. The Bereans were noble people. Are you a noble Christian wanting to be grounded in the Word of God? 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, you are, speaking to believers, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, that's what we're going to look at, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. We're a royal priesthood. We are like we are saved to be in the image of Jesus. Jesus was a king and a high priest. He was descended from David by the flesh. He is now King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the great high priest who offered the perfect sacrifice for our sins once for all time, once for all sins, once for all people, not with the blood of animals, but with his own blood, not in an earthly temple, but before God the Father in heaven. And he didn't have to repeat this day after day or year after year. He did it once for all time. And just as Jesus Christ is king and priest, we were saved to be a royal priesthood. We were saved to be kings and priests. What does the Bible say about kings and priests? Well, priests to serve needed to know the law, they needed to know God's commands, they needed to study the law of Moses and practice the law to the letter, and they needed to teach others what God had said. What about kings? Deuteronomy 17 verse 18 says, When the king takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of the law taken from that of the priests. It is to be with him. Listen. He is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his brothers. Even with Joshua, God commanded Joshua, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. A noble Christian is saved to be a king and a priest, a royal priesthood, and that means the Bible's very important, number one. Now, the truth is, throughout the history of Israel, many kings did not read the Scripture daily, much less at all. (coughs) And the truth is, there were even a lot of priests that didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what God's Word had to say throughout the history of Israel. (laughs) <laughs> and the truth is, many Christians do not spend time in the Bible. Does that mean they're not Christians? Now, if you believe in Christ, you're saved by the grace of God through faith in Him alone. But do you want to be a noble Christian? Do you want to be a king and a priest as God saved you to be a royal priesthood? Study the Word. So what do you do if you have specific questions about what somebody says is true or right or good or bad, or evil, or wrong. You may, if you're a child, you may ask your parents for help and say, "Mom, Dad, what's the Bible say about that?" That's good. That's great. Ask them what the Bible says about some issue. Or maybe your Sunday school teacher. Go to your Sunday school teacher. Say, I, I, "I've been wondering what God says about this issue. Where, what, where does it say in the Bible about these things?" Ask me, as your pastor. I mean, if we're in a modern age. You can even search online. You got something you want to find out about, put a word or a phrase in there asking for Bible verses, and it'll pop up to you 10 Bible verses, or 20, or 50 Bible verses, and you can see what the Scripture has to say about that. But for a solid, firm, unmovable life, just like God commanded the kings and the priests, read and study the Bible. Daily, daily. That there's daily training. First Timothy four eight says physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Some value physical training, all value spiritual training. I there's years ago, if I want to go out and run a road race and do a five K, I could do that. Why? Because I was training most every day. Not every day, but several days I'd be out putting in some miles. If I wanted to run a 5K today, I would be out of my mind. I would be out of my mind. I'm not training. In my mind, I think I can. I used to. Why can't I now? No, I can't. I'm not training to do that. In the same way when it comes to spiritual life, if you're not training every day spiritually, are you going to be able to compete in this life as God wants you to? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, the word of God's living and active. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Even Psalm 119 says, to put it in your heart, know it. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, when we went to Iowa for my brother-in-law's funeral, I was driving with my daughter. I had some basic scriptures I was going through, and I said, I'd start one off and she'd finish it. She said, I don't know the references, but I know it. She, she, she knew from being in church, from hearing it, and preached about, talked about, able to say, that's in the Word of God. I know what the words are. Now, there's important times for training, for Sunday school, yes, for worship to be together to hear from the Word of God. Wednesday nights, and these are all good, and I hope you take advantage of everything you can along those lines to study the Scripture with other believers. But the, I, I am fully convinced, I am fully convinced there's nothing better than going to the Scriptures daily. and going to the Scriptures daily and having God speak to you and train you as a believer. Whether as a family in the home, Or whether you do that as an individual. And I would say even if you do have family devotions together, I would encourage you to have your own individual time of prayer and reading, studying the Bible. How do you do something like that if you've never done it before? Well, first of all, you need to pick a time and stick with it. And most times are hard to stick with. For me, it's first thing in the morning. For others, it might be bedtime. For others, noon or evening meal. But morning's real easy because you always know when that time is. Your eyes come open or half open, whatever it might be. I always know when that time is because I'm waking up. And I know what that time is. It's a time you can count on, right? First thing in the morning also can set the tone for your whole day. Psalm 63 verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. Early in the dawn I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. Psalm 143 verse 8 says, Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. That verse says, In the morning I do this. Let, Let me First of all, be reminded of your unfailing love. The Scripture reminds us of God's promises to us. Remind me of your unfailing love. And it said, show me the way I should go. Give, Lord, it's first thing in the morning. God, give me direction for right now. This day. Some things are already cut and dried for you, but it gives you direction for what you are to do. So pick a time and stick with it. And before you read the scripture, pray for your mind to be opened, as we talked about in the last few weeks, opened to understand, and pray to God and ask him to help you apply that in how you live. Read a chapter, do something where you got a, more, a paragraph, a chapter, whatever you, you can keep going with. When I started uh, at the age of 18, it was... I started a chapter in the Old Testament, chapter in the New Testament. My, my very first personal quiet time, I read Genesis chapter 1, and I read Matthew chapter 1. And I went a chapter each every day. And in the years, I've been through the Bible several times. But by day, by day after day, I was astonished. When I was 18, having gone to church my whole life, I thought I knew a lot of Bible. I thought I was brilliant and what I knew on the Bible. But when I started a daily quiet time, I was astonished. It says that in the Bible? Wow! I didn't know that. I was astonished what's in the Bible, how important it is, how powerful, how meaningful, how personal, and how easily applied it is to living. And having done that for 45 years, I am still amazed, having been through the Old New Testament several times, I'm still amazed that I can sit there and open and read. And God uses His Word to speak fresh and powerfully in my life, relevantly for today. Are you a noble Christian? The Bereans were noble Christians. They studied daily to see if what Paul was saying could be found there in the Bible. Is it true? Is this God's Word? Are you a noble Christian? Do you search? Do you study? To have a solid and firm faith? To know what you know and why you know what you know and why you believe what you believe? I encourage you to start each day with prayer and the Word so that you're able to live for God, to please Him. You see, because it's not just about knowledge. 1 Corinthians 8 one says, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's not just a matter of, Oh, I know that. I know the Bible says that. And the Bible says this. But it's so that we might get that direction to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. To love our neighbor as ourselves; To care for our neighbors. To do good to our neighbors. To respect one another. Honor one another, another above ourselves. We need that daily help in God's Word to set us on the right path for His glory. Let's pray.